Interior. Night. Recording studio. Two redheads begin pre-show warm-ups. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Jack, write that you gargle your water or something. Jack gargles some water. And then put that we say, welcome to Script Shop. Who? Me or you? Mm-hmm. You say it. Welcome to Script Shop. N- no, but like, really, say it. Like, right now. Like, right now. Let's go for it. Welcome to Scrimshaw. No, Jack. Top. <laughs> Omaha. No, Jack. Welcome to Script Shop. Thank you for tuning in to Script Shop for this week's show. Hi there, everybody. My name is Jack, and I have done a ridiculously small amount of Christmas shopping as of oh, no. as of this recording. Oh, Jack! It's it's a week Panic before Christmas. Central. Mm, I know. What are you What are you gonna do? Amazon Prime everything? No, I think it's too late for that. I was already checking that out. I think that ship might have sailed. Well, I was doing Amazon Prime today. This is Allison, by the way, and I have a husband named Philip, and I was Amazon priming for his Christmas presents. Takes we have to do. Christmas early. Right. We have to do Christmas Thursday night. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you come over and we have a present for you, and it's so great. Oh, that's sweet. Yes. I'm and, still working on your thing. Oh, no. No worries. Because um, we just love you, and we wanted to get you a present mm-hmm. from us and Baby Olive. So, Is it weird that we're talking about this thing and the show's not hitting until well after Christmas? I'm. Well, it's not weird because that's just kind of the way things work. And I feel like our listeners know. We, you know what we are? We're like the fond memory of things that have already happened. Oh, cool. Yeah, so Christmas happens, and then two weeks later, you're like, Christmas, Jack's panicking, and everybody goes, oh, 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 oh Jack, he <laughs> hasn't Amazon-primed anything yet. That's, yeah, that's exactly right. Hi, everybody. Uh, so you found it. This is our podcast where we talk to screenwriters about their scripts and the work that they've written and what it means to them and what they want to do with it and what they could and maybe have already done with it. Right. You know what I'm thinking right now, too, What's is that? that maybe you should write a script about the small things that make you panic. Like not, not having Christmas done yet or the cell phone while you're driving. Or the wind and, when it's too windy of a day. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. All the tiny things that just freak you out. Listen, I don't think anybody and has that. And then we could bring your script onto the show and I could be like, but Jack, where does this come from? Yeah, you know where it comes from because I share all my weird mean? fears with you. I, well, I mean, I love that. And That's first of all, as, a, wonderful. As, as far as a script goes, nobody has that kind of time to sit through just my laundry, well, my litany of of, of irrational fears. I, you know, I hate to be the one to say it, but honestly, it's not that interesting. So. <laughs> well, then why are you telling me to write a script? Just keep a list. Maybe it's your spin. I don't know. So we're on various uh, web platforms. You can find us. Of course, scriptshopshow.com is the main website. You can uh, go to scriptshopshow.com slash submit. Submit. If you want to send us. If you want to. Your work. Now I'm getting nervous again. <laughs> Cause you, I'm, it's because I'm interrupting you. If you've written a script and you want to send it to us and uh, we can take a look at it and uh, put it on the show, we could certainly do that. You can also do that through Film Freeway. That's which, right. Is that how our writer today got to us? Um, Allison Beta. Yes. Maggie's new. Maggie. Maggie's new boyfriend, our mm-hmm. script today by Allison Beta, pardon mm-hmm. me, a nine-page tongue-in-cheek mental crutch comedy. Ooh. Yes, we're very excited about her, and she found us on FilmFreeway.com. So look us up on Film Freeway. Um, we may be adding a small submission fee in the future, so just know that that's coming down the pike, mm. writers. Just know. Uh, and also, if there are other ways you can look us up that are free, as far as I know, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Script Shop Show on all those platforms. On Twitter, I am Script Shop Jack. And I am your bestie, Westie. Yeah, and you can find us and uh, tweet at us or yes. send us a message about what you think about the show. Or you know, I tweeted about cookies today. Yes, you did. You have too many of them. I, gosh, it is the holiday season. And as far as memories, everyone's going to be like, oh, why did I eat so many cookies? They were so good. Now I... 
New Year's is hitting and resolutions and what am I doing? And mm-hmm. so that's that's where we're going to be two weeks from now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So for your planning purposes. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perfect. So we're right on point, honestly. Nailing it. <laughs> uh, uh, one other thing, uh, web-wise, you can look us up on Patreon if you want to uh, send us some money and uh, sponsor the show. Uh, we're doing it for you. And if you like it and you want to maybe compensate us a little bit, I don't know. I feel weird send doing Send some Christmas Chris Marinos oh, our boy. way. Yep, there it is. The you know, hol- Holodini. <laughs> we got away from it for so long, and now. But it's so good because it's the holiday season. So mistletoes, and I, that one, that one was weak. But Christmas, Christmas. Hmm. You're on your own. <laughs> Don't you just love mashing that one up with other things? I like watching you mash it up. <laughs> Christmas rulos, send them our way. We love them. Yeah, do that. Uh, okay, I think we've made Allison wait around for long enough, right? She's been patiently, yes. patiently waiting. Yeah. See, something people don't know is we don't like do a show edit together where like we would record our own beginning and then do the interview on its own and then record a closing. Yeah, like, no, we do it all live right here. We hang somebody out on the line to yeah. dry while we just talk about silly stuff like mm-hmm. cookies and Amazon, and which it, honestly I love to do except for the fact that it sucks for them. Well, we can find out if it sucks for them. Okay. Allison, do, did that suck for you or was it kind of entertaining? It was wildly entertaining. Mm, there we go. Wildly. See? Applause. Yeah, that's very nice. Allison. Very Allison, nice. of all names, Allison. What a beautiful name. Who are you <laughs> named after, Allison? It's the best name. I was named Allison because my parents' first choice of name was Michelle. Mm. And apparently I have a cousin, and they were concerned that there would be confusion. Mm. So I got Michelle as a middle name. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you dodged a bullet, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, Michelle's a little weak. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Ooh, tweet at us. All Michelles in the world who are oh, taking offense I'm at I'm so sorry, moment. Michelles. Uh, especially my sister. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, there we go. Is her name Michelle? Her name is Michelle. Well, so, so, Will, I mean, how did that happen? Yeah. Well, by the time she came around, my parents decided that we never see that cousin. And because they love the name Michelle, so much they gave it to her, and they gave it to you too as your middle name. Yes, they they love that name. They love that name. They love it. Little Michelle Cuckoo. Well, that's fine. I mean, if you're drinking the Michelle Punch, you might as well just slurp it up, right? Go for it. (laughs) Jackson, looking at me like, what did you even just say? I don't know how to react to that. Allison, Uh, where where are we talking to you from? Where are you at? I am actually in Los Angeles right now, but most of the time I'm in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. So I do the little um, fly south for the winter, like retired people, but I have to still work. Mm-hmm. Well, we're in Ohio, so the idea of like snowbirds and going down to Florida, that's a very much an Ohio thing still. So I, I, I get that. What is it that you're doing when you're spending the bulk of your time in Vancouver? Well, my family's there, and that's where I grew up. So I... Um, I work as a director, um, and I also do a little bit of, I'm a union camera operator as well, Mm, but mostly right now I'm just trying to work on my own stuff, and I've got a a feature that I'm trying to uh, finish up, and it'll be my first, my directorial debut as a feature director. Oh, that's super cool. That's very exciting. How long has it been, like, what's the time frame in a long time coming for this feature? Um, I'm going to say like 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say, yeah, probably because I found it's actually, it's called unpredictable. It's a screwball romantic comedy and it's based on a screwball romantic comedy novel called unpredictable, which I optioned 
quite a long time ago and was working on a script on a on a draft and then the novelist actually got involved she's lovely um and then a bunch of other things happened and it got put on the on the side burner and then it was looking like I was going to make a different feature which ended up not happening it's crazy I mean I think my advice to anyone wanting to do anything in film is just persistence. Just keep plugging away at it because it can take a crazy long time and things can be right at the cusp of happening and you can have financing in place and then pfft. everything yep. just falls through. Yeah, exactly. And well, and especially for, I would imagine it's, it, it, I would imagine the stakes are so much higher when you're talking about a feature, but even if you're talking about just trying to get a short off the ground and get that produced with all the different people that you have to interact with and not just deal with, but legitimately work with and collaborate with, there can be so many pitfalls in that. And when you're talking about shooting something that's just longer and maybe more involved, that just means there's more things that could trip Potentially up. Potentially go wrong. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, so how long have you been a writer? I have been a writer, I'm going to say, I, you know, it's funny, I don't even identify as a writer, generally speaking, but okay. I've written a bunch of stuff. Great, so <laughs> well, yes, what are you doing here on this show then, Allison? Get out of, yeah, uh, you're definitely uh, a writer. Exactly. exactly. Um, I'm going to say, for, for writing for a film, I guess, about 15 years. Okay. Yeah. When did that start for you? Um, in film school. Mm-hmm. Where'd you go to yeah. school? I went to film school. I did an undergrad at Simon Fraser University in Vancouver, Canada. Mm-hmm. And I did a master's at uh, University of British Columbia, also in Vancouver. Is storytelling something that's always been part of your life? Or was there a like defining moment or something definite that made you kind of tune in to you know, creating stories as a young person. It's funny. I think I always, I always wrote for myself more journals or weird little things that I never, I never thought, Oh, I'm going to be a writer or this is something you could do as a job. And even, even for me coming to making film, it was, it was a long time coming. I actually started university and then ended up dropping out and, going off to uh, Europe to be an international fashion model because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And and along the way I realized, Oh, you can make movies as a living. (laughs) Something you could actually do. And I was always obsessed with films and going to see all sorts of movies. And so I actually went back to Canada and Vancouver and went and applied to get into and got into film school. You know, I think it's super interesting too. your transition from being somebody who just kind of writes things to writing screenplays to being a director. What was your transition like going from a student to being a professional director? Um, When I finished film school, I had an idea. I really wanted to make a um, a movie about what it was really like to be a fashion model because there was really nothing out there at that time. And I decided, oh, I'm just, I'm going to make this movie. And I, I wanted to follow a friend of mine around for a year and I tried to finance it and people just thought it was ridiculous. Um, but I ended up making it, um, and it's called how to be a model, a 12 step plan. (laughs) And I followed a friend of mine around for a year who was going to uh, quit. It was her last year. And that was, I mean, people think documentaries are not written, (laughs) 
they're definitely written. I mean, you, you're, it's up to you to construct a story because otherwise you're just looking at raw footage. You're, you're it, as a, as a director and as a filmmaker, yeah, there is some sort of narrative that you have to build. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Even though there was the beginning, middle of and end of the story of the woman whose year we followed, but so much stuff happened, and I I thought. Um, uh, just even writing the voiceover narration, which was pretty brutal, I found very difficult. Um, it was interesting, though, because it was definitely all scripted. And it, it, it sounds like if you, if you listen to it, hopefully it sounds like I'm being very immediate and very genuine. And the things I'm saying, I, I truly believe in, but it wasn't off the cuff. I didn't just sit down and, and say things. I, I wrote everything out. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so between that, this this documentary involving the fashion model thing, and then you talked about how you've got the 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 screwball romantic comedy. This script that you sent us, Maggie's new boyfriend, has some romantic elements to it. That what as far as different genres, do you just sort of tell stories the way a given story moves you? Are the is the romantic stuff maybe more in your wheelhouse? I'm I'm a pretty huge fan of black comedy. And I'm also pretty obsessed with relationships. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I guess my ideal my ideal movie is a dark black comedy that's a romantic comedy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, Maggie's new boyfriend definitely hits that because in Maggie's new boyfriend, of course, we have Maggie, who's dealing with. Um, you know, we're not really sure what is going on in her head, but she is working working in her mind with some kind of fantasies about her boyfriend and her boyfriend's life and her boyfriend's life and how it relates to her life. And then maybe this new fantasy dude in her world and what it all means to her. It also has a lot of voiceover too, which is interesting because you were talking about how difficult voiceover was to write for your documentary. Was it just as challenging to write for this narrative piece or, or do you have a little bit more, you think expertise at this time? I think uh, it's funny because I had, um, this script uh, got into a uh, film festival and it was selected to be read at the festival. And one of the comments afterwards, they give you a little breakdown of the, the experts or the people involved in it. And someone's criticism was, or someone's note was they hated voiceover and they thought I should just get rid of all of the voiceover. Obviously they weren't a fan of Bridget Jones diary. Right. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah, generally I don't usually have a lot of voiceover in film um, because I'm very visual and cinematography is a really big deal for me. And I think it's what what is the adage, uh, show don't tell. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and it, it can be a little tough, but I think because she is in her head in this story and it is about your fantasy life and just the idea. I think it. I think it works for this. Well, you know, one uh, of the, one of the notes that I took, and it's maybe not so much about voiceover as it is about when a character in a movie or even a TV show turns and looks at the camera and starts talking directly to the audience. I am a total sucker for that, and that was one of the notes that I jotted down as I was reading this. Good, yay! <laughs> I think it really adds a lot of tone and a lot yeah. of like. Um, texture about like what that person is thinking and where they are and who they are really in terms of talking to a camera or if you do use voiceover successfully again like what the tone or the feeling or the energy can be of any moment yeah um 
I mean, there's tons of really successful movies that have voiceover, and I don't think people should be afraid of that. Definitely not. And I love, and I think the thing is, there's so many people that are video blogging or have video podcasts, and I think I I really kind of like that vibe for this because it seems like something that she could be just wanting to share with other people, and so it's more that the film is kind of like a a video blog in yeah, a sense. like a journal just, entry. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I do too. I think that creates a real sense of intimacy with the audience because it's it, this person is letting you into their personal life and also literally into their head with this idea of this imaginary boyfriend that, that Maggie's got. Mm. Totally, totally. Mm. You know, you say you're obsessed with relationships. Um, what, like, what do you mean you're obsessed with relationships? I'm not necessarily... I mean, I'm in a, in a, in a, I think a good relationship. I'm actually engaged. Hey, oh, congratulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I just am fascinated by how people relate to each other and how challenging it is when you even, you meet someone great and how, Oh, it's happily ever after. It's never the case. Yeah. And and relationships are a lot of work, and we don't really want them to be. And yeah, it's just I just multiply, never ending, fascinating to me. And even relationships, family relationships, the relationship you have with your sister, and and I really think that there's you can only really truly hate someone you love. Mm. And so you get really intense conflicts in in family or intimate relationships that you you can't really get otherwise. I see that because you know somebody exposes themselves to you in a very vulnerable way and vice versa. They allow you to know the pieces of them that might not actually be the good parts of them. Yeah. And they're trusting yeah. you to not abuse that information. Yeah. But yeah. we do. People do. <laughs> you know, and, and you do intentionally and you do unintentionally. That's why, like, therapy is good for couples oh. and why being patient and forgiving and mature in your relationships is really good for couples. But it's not easy. Not at all. Well, and I think mm-hmm. so often about how I, I'm not sure if I've talked about this on the show before, but how what, what role fear plays in our lives and the idea that a lot of times fear can be a good thing. It keeps you from driving into the wrong side of the road or, you know, doing something that's really horrible. But also, I mean, it also holds us back in a lot of ways that may not be the healthiest. And when you're talking about a relationship with somebody, you're talking about I mean, you're bringing your own fears to the table in whatever way you're going to interact with this person. They're still a human being on their end of things. So they've got their own fears. There's an old line about everybody's got baggage and people are just looking for a matching set. Right. Which I always thought was kind of an interesting way. I love that. I really do. What do you think about that, Allison? I think, I think I read something. Actually, it was a a therapist recommended book about relationships. And I wish I could remember the author because he's a renowned relationship therapist. And he was talking in the book about how when you're, when you're looking for a relationship, what you're looking in your for your long-term intimate partner is very much based on who raised you. Mm-hmm. So generally, that would be your mother and your father, or if you were raised by a grandmother, you're looking for characteristics, the best and the worst characteristics of 
that caregiver, the person that raised you. And what's more important is the worst. So in effect, hmm. you're trying to work out stuff in your new relationship that you couldn't resolve with your, with your razors. Wow. And I thought mm -hmm. it was really fascinating. And he talks in the book about, he really thinks that, that he talks about relationships as almost being like a, a spiritual experience and how they can be incredibly fulfilling and be so wonder, wonderful for personal development for both people. But the fact that this, this, that you're looking for this stuff you need to work out can lead you or help you develop, but it all also can lead you to, so if you were abused, you end up being drawn towards someone who is going to abuse you. So you end up in an abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. So it explains a lot of really bad relationships, but also explains why you're kind of doing that and ultimately how this could be a really great thing. Like you're trying to resolve what your, yeah. what your yeah, hangups might be. Yeah, grow and develop. Does, does, it, fa it, does familiarity play a role in that? The idea of, you know, like a better the devil you know kind of thing? Probably. Yeah. I mean, probably that's what you grew up with. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 I just laugh though, because I look at my, my partner or my partner's parents and think, oh my God, they picked me because of some of these characteristics <laughs> that I have. There are things that they hate. No, I seriously just rolled my eyes because I, because I, I hate that I feel the same way. <laughs> you know, like we talk on this show, Allison, about my, my wonderful, beautiful husband, Philip. And, you know, sometimes I'm just like, how is it that I even love you? We are so different. Like, how does this even work out? It drives me crazy constantly. But it's, you know, he's it's the challenge. He's he's the challenge I wanted to have in my life. Yeah. Yeah. So that all being said, getting back to this script of yours, Maggie's new boyfriend. And we've yeah. got this character of Maggie who yes. is maybe coping with being alone by sort of inventing this perfect scenario, imaginary boyfriend. Uh, in terms of this coping, which I'm reading as a coping mechanism, I don't think it's written in a way that makes you think that there's some sort of supernatural magic person that's hanging out with her in oh. a drop dead yeah. Fred kind of way. Right. Uh, yeah. But so in terms of this sort of coping thing, is this maybe something you're a little more familiar with or did you just come up with this as an interesting way to tell a story? Um, I think I can remember at one point having a really big fight with uh guy I was dating and and I mean we didn't break up but I was like I'm just gonna I'm gonna talk to I think he wasn't talking to me and I thought I'm just gonna talk to my imaginary boyfriend <laughs> <laughs> my imaginary boy, imaginary boyfriend Michael exactly that just imagining all the things that if my boyfriend just were perfect what he would be saying and what he would be doing instead of behaving the way he was. Yeah, so it wasn't so I think it that's was, where the seed of that came from. So it wasn't so much about maybe working out whatever issue with him even though he was imaginary. It was just about doing like a best case scenario. I think it was just it was a it was a revenge. Fine, you won't talk to me. I'll talk to my imaginary boyfriend who's better than you. Yeah. <laughs> Allison, how did that work out for you? <laughs> sounds great. <laughs> it sounds awesome. Yeah, I got bored. Mm -hmm. When someone's just doing everything you want them to do, too perfect. Yeah. 
Truly. Yeah, it's like you're eating ice cream all the time, and as awesome as, as, as chocolate chip cookie dough sounds, uh, probably going to want to have a bowl of rice every now and again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's interesting you say that, though, because, of course, Maggie in the script, her perfect boyfriend ends up developing his own new life, and she ends up, you know, getting a little interested in, a, in another new boyfriend, somebody who's just a little bit different than the original one. Mm-hmm. And real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That is so funny that he is, because the real one shows up and she's like, eh, I need to do something with this imaginary one in my mind. Let him go. I want it. We should get into the script now because we're, we're going to read a it's selection from early into it. And I think it's going to set up a lot of things. And then we can sort of play out how the rest of the story uh, plays out from there. So, folks, if you are uh, reading along with us, we are going to be starting on page two, right in the middle of page two. Uh, with Interior Maggie's Kitchen. Uh, we're just sort of getting into this world. Maggie is telling the audience about how she's got this new man in her life, Michael, who's super sweet and super supportive, and the only issue is that he's not real. Um, so today we have Allison, the writer-director, reading um, all of our stage directions. Jack's going to be reading for Michael, and then I, Allison, the script shop Allison, <laughs> We'll be reading for Maggie. So, Allison, our writer, whenever you are ready, feel free to take it away. All right. Interior Maggie's Kitchen Evening. Maggie, in office garb, enters the kitchen, tosses her coat and keys on the table. Michael, think middle-aged and balding like the comedian David Cross, is dancing to jazzy jazz while he cooks. He grabs Maggie and they jazz it up. The only real downside to my perfect boyfriend... The microwave dings. Maggie stops dancing to get a ready meal packaged dinner out of it and brings it to the table. Is that he's imaginary? Michael and Maggie lift glasses of wine from the table and clink them together. He is also a little more argumentative than I would have liked. Really? And he is an amazing cook, but he won't cook dinner for me. Michael plates his gourmet dish and puts it on the table. Sweetie, you know it just doesn't work that way. They sit in unison. On the upside, he is totally cool with me dating other people. Since we got into things so quickly, I want to make sure that you're not just rebounding. Interior bar with live music, night. Maggie is jumping up and down, dancing and having a blast with Trent, a cool, hot, hipster-looking musician type. Interior Maggie's car, day. Maggie is driving by herself. Michael and me had our first fight today. I said I wanted to go to the hardware store alone, and he... Surprise! Maggie jumps nearly out of her skin. Michael is now in the passenger seat of the car. He is wearing a wig. Just came with me! Michael, why are you here? You can't just show up places! A woman driver passes by, sees Maggie shouting in an empty passenger seat, and gives Maggie a weird look. And why are you wearing a wig? Are you supposed to be in disguise? I am not wearing a wig. Yes, you are! No, I am not. Yeah, you so totally are. Hey, watch where you're driving. Maggie swerves across the lane and out of frame. I was spending a lot more time with Trent. End scene. Yeah. So, the real, let me just start. I really want to know, when coming out of that reading, the idea that this Michael character looks a lot like David Cross, that is... That's so funny. That's It's very funny. David and I think Cross is wonderful. It's very specific. And, like, all I could do when I was reading the script for the rest of the way was picture David Cross saying all these things to this woman in these various scenes. Oh, I love David Cross. Yeah. He was he was total inspiration for that character. Okay. Mm-hmm. I also could see Fred Armisen for some reason, just sort of the way, I, you know what I mean? Just like that same vibe. Great. Yes. Yes. 
So it seems like Maggie feels a little guilty about the fact that she's having like a real relationship show up in the middle of her imaginary relationship. Yeah, I think so. Would I mean, do you think the character is just kind of like drawn to realizing her own feelings or is that just a funny comedy quirk or what are you thinking about her whole journey here from beginning to end? I think she's, I think she's so involved in her fantasy that it's a little difficult to pry herself out. And she's created a a lovely, fun, wonderful character. And she's been pretty lonely. And to go off and a change is hard, even when it's a good change. So I think she meets this other guy who's quite great, but she doesn't obviously know him as I guess it's it's kind of like if you're dating someone and he's not really the right guy for you, but he's a pretty great guy. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's difficult to just leave. Right. Yeah, the idea of Mr. Right versus maybe Mr. Right now. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And also, you just don't want to hurt people sometimes when they're good, but they're not just the right fit, no. you know? Exactly. I think there's also an element, too, of because, you know, this Michael character, it, it's a sort of a fun, quirky thing that she's sort of doing. That's its own thing versus maybe being in a real relationship with actual human being Trent, which actually requires, like, work and effort. And, you know, that can be, that's its own scary It's daunting. Thing. Sure. Exactly. And then, and then I guess... I'm just playing also with the irony too that that she made him up. Yeah. He's supposed to be perfect. She made him up. But when reality co- comes calling, luckily when reality comes calling, she's more interested in reality. Yeah. yeah. Which is a good sign in terms of her mental health. Right, because if Michael's imaginary, that means he's technically her, and then he's got concerns about Trent maybe not being right for her, which means that's real. Those are really her concerns. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I, you know, I always love these mental games that mm-hmm. characters and screener screenwriters can play throughout here. You know, it's the whole Fight Club thing. Yeah, you know, like there's this other character that's actually the one guy dealing and working with all of his misconstrued ideas about one thing or another. Mm-hmm. Is there any, so I know we're talking about this kind of being a fun thing that Maggie does, but it does hit really close to home for people that have to use imaginary worlds in order to cope, in order to learn and grow. And I just wanted to ask if there was any basis in any kind of mental health, um, mental health exploration here, if you will. Um, Hmm. I just I just wanted to ask. <laughs> Sounds like a no. <laughs> uh, no, I haven't personally had any psychotic breaks. Mm. Mm-hmm. Other than a very overactive imagination. I do remember I was I was going through a period of being quite depressed after a breakup and did have I just didn't feel like eating I couldn't do anything and actually ended up going to see someone because I was I hadn't really experienced depression before and I remember hearing of hearing voices mm-hmm. like basically 
someone that was me told me I needed to eat. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. And it was, it was probably what sent me to the shrink, Mm -hmm. but, um, it was, at least it was, it was helpful voices. It wasn't anyone telling me to jump off a bridge. It was telling me that even if I didn't feel like eating, I should eat something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that was the first time that you started kind of hearing this reassuring voice to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That, well, it was, it wasn't, I mean, we all, I'm assuming we all talk to ourselves. Yeah. Should we do that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, but this yeah. was mm-hmm. actually, it, it startled me because it was another voice. Mm-hmm. It felt like, it felt like a, not me, but it was in my own head. Mm-hmm. So it was, a, it was disturbing. It was disturbing enough that it motivated me to go and, and seek professional help for my depression. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't telling me to do anything bad. It was actually being helpful. Mm-hmm. So I get how, I mean, I can, I can imagine or empathize with people who do have more extreme breaks or understand how you could end up splitting off and being different people or um, schizophrenia in terms of having voices tell you things that you think that they're not you mm-hmm. like to lose that connection. So you talked about also how dark comedy is a thing that you enjoy very much. And this script does take a dark turn because it, it, as Maggie is spending time with this imaginary boyfriend, Michael, and then also seeing Trent IRL, all of a sudden she finds out that Trent is dead, that he fell into a wood chipper. It, it just kind of comes out of nowhere Ooh. and smacks Maggie across the face to the point where, like, she's got to kind of double check with herself that, like, there wasn't anything sinister going on, right? Yep, yep, yep. That's a that's a, a wonderfully twisted turn. Yeah. Why did you put that in the script? Um, I think that I always wanted to. I had a. I had a. I had an ulterior motive. Okay. I had, yes, tell I me. had this, this character is modeled after someone and I wanted to murder them in a script. As <laughs> I love that you said that. <laughs> Hold on. We need to do a slow clap for you. Oh my Ready? God. There you go, Jack. Slow clap. I don't, uh, that's, uh, there we go. this is, yep. It's happening. She did it. Wow. You did it. This is, I mean, this is you're working out yeah. demons here. This is it. Tell us about this person. No names, please, but yeah. please tell us what happened. And what did they do to warrant yes, being thrown tell us, into tell us everything. a wood chipper? Yeah. Just uh, so, 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 so long ago. But just um, someone I dated. Mm-hmm. He sounds like a real fuck jerk. him. <laughs> really? Well, no, it was a really pretty great guy, but just kept breaking up with me. Yeah, well, I mean, tell me for, more. For no reason. Mm-hmm. Just, just, well, you know, I just, I don't know if, I don't know if they're like, like fireworks. I'm like, oh, fireworks. Okay. And then we'd break up and I'd be all devastated and sad and, and. I would still talk to him and then he'd be like, yeah, it's crazy. I don't, I just tell it, telling other people. Yeah. Allison's so great. I don't know what, what she's this and she's that and everything's wonderful. And they're like, why did you break up? I don't know. Um, yeah. And this just went on the back and forth, the tugging, the pulling the point. Like, okay, I'm just, I'm just moving on. I'm done. 
So at the end of the day, were did you break up with him or was it, you oh, know? Oh, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, there was a, he broke up with me and I thought, fine, fine, fine. fine. That's- I'm just going to let this happen now. Mm-hmm. Regardless of what happens. And then he did come back and say, oh my God, I've made this horrible mistake and da da. And I'm like, nope, too bad. I'm throwing you and- in a wood chipper, asshole. Yep, you're going in a wood chipper at some point in the mm-hmm. time, sometime at some point in the future. Mm-hmm. And you know, th- this character of Trent gets killed in the wood chipper. It, it doesn't even happen like it, it happens off camera. Like Maggie is just sort of talking <laughs> he about. He does it. not have his day in the sun whatsoever. Yeah, she sees it on the news, and, but like it all just sort of it, it it doesn't happen. Like you don't see it happening. It just kind of happens, and you, all you see is Maggie reacting to it. Yes. Yes. Did- well, I mean. He's a nice guy, so okay. it's revenge soft. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, that's fine. <laughs> that's revenge that's fine. with that's a lowercase r. Does, uh, yeah. does the real Trent have a stupid name like Trent as well? <laughs> no, no, no. But the real, the real, the real Trent uh, is a musician. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Boy, we're we're really checking a lot of boxes in terms of insulting people's yes. names on this we, show. No, I this is the show I don't want anybody to listen to because I am just throwing people under the bus left <laughs> and right. Oh, no. So uh, yeah. Trent dies. Renamed, and, renamed. So Trent dies, and Maggie starts maybe reflecting on things and how, and she's starting to maybe come to the realization that having this imaginary boyfriend may not be the healthiest thing in the world. And when she finally decides to not necessarily do away with or even really rid herself of this Michael character. I, I love the way she resolves wanting to break up with an imaginary boyfriend rather than just not pretend, not like act like he doesn't exist anymore and just erase him. She creates mm-hmm. this whole other fiction for him to actually leave Live her through. life. Yeah. Very crafty, huh? Make it seem like it's the other person's idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's really beautiful because Michael, the fake boyfriend, meets his Natalie Portman-esque girlfriend, mm-hmm. and they have their moment together in the middle of a crowded room, and then kind of go off in the sunset together, to the point that later on in the story, Maggie meets them hiking on a trail, and his new girlfriend is pregnant. Yeah. And it's so cute. I love that. It's so cute. They have it all. Everyone <laughs> else has it all. Was it very intentional to let uh, Maggie resolve their or, you know, allow them to continue living in her own mind without needing to be a part of that? Um, I think she let them go. I think she let them go. Yeah. They're off doing their own thing that she has no control of and it would be surprising. Oh, isn't this here's what they're doing? Or then potentially that's just. Things that you might want projecting on other people, but no, I think she's. I think she ends up feeling pretty good. I think she ends up alone because she probably really has to be alone. And it's. It seems to me that she's sort of been doing serial relationships because when we start, she's just broken up with someone and she jumps into something with her imaginary boyfriend to right. fill in until she meets another guy. Well, you know, so, I, th- I think if nothing else, too, the, the, the scene when she's like jogging in the woods and like Michael comes running up and he's got this pregnant girlfriend with him now that, that he sort of left her for. If nothing else, the idea that maybe Maggie's just off jogging in the woods someday and starts to think, hey, geez, I haven't thought about Michael in like a year. I wonder, well, he's probably with this woman still and maybe she's pregnant now, like just sort of exactly. continuing the fiction as a, as a lark. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's so cute. I like that a lot. I love I love the way that this breakup happens by her creating somebody else to take him off her hands. Now, now I have a question about writing, which is that when you write, 
Are you the type of writer that creates characters and just lets them kind of wreak havoc on your mind? And then you write it all down because all these characters are just doing their things. The same way that in this script, it seems like Maggie has created characters Mm. who are living their own lives separate of kind of her, you know, um, all consuming control. She's just really allowing them to have full lives. When you're writing people, how do you do it? I would say yes. I mean, I think it might start with maybe there's a scenario or a situation or a plot, but in terms of the people, they may be based on someone or I get a German idea of something, but you just want to let them go because then they do all the work and I just have to take notes. Like they're, they're doing stuff and saying stuff and I just write it down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So after she uh, she and Michael sort of end things, and it, it sort of ends with her sort of back doing a little more direct narration in her bedroom, and there's a, a lump under the mattress that sort of moves, and there's some new imaginary guy that she's having a fling with. Uh, it, 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 I think it ends in a very cute spot. It sort of ends almost where it begins, but Maggie's a little less upset because at least when it started, she was going through an actual breakup, and now she's just she's just out there dating in the imaginary world, meeting imaginary people. <laughs> there's more imaginary fish in the sea that's, ex- that's exactly right <laughs> in the imaginary sea yeah <laughs> how how do you feel about the final moment in this script you know where you're bringing it back around the character's growth what, what is important to you about that moment i think at the end when a new imaginary boyfriend presents her himself um and she's basically saying no thank you I'm good. Yeah. I'm okay. I got this. And she's going to take some space and time to not have an imaginary boyfriend and maybe just work on some things herself and be available. I think that's one thing that if you're just really, really, really wanting a relationship and basing too much of your happiness or too much, you need to be okay on your own. Mm-hmm. You need to be okay on your own. And be happy on your own. And that's when you will meet great people. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you're not in that space, then you're not necessarily, I mean, you'll meet what you need at the time, but that's not necessarily the best Mm -hmm. scenario. Yeah, that's right. Because Maggie's sort of saying, "Okay, I'm mostly okay," and then it sort of hints that, and and this this lump in the mattress is like, you know, "Hey, honey, who are you talking to?" And she's like, "Nobody," and he kind of disappears. And that was like her maybe flirting with the idea of, well, you know, it'd be pretty easy to do this again. That was pretty fun before. But she's like, "No, you know what? I'm trying to get better. Mostly, I'm okay. I just have a few moments every once in a while where I think about, you know, maybe going back to that." Totally. So you're that. your crutch. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. I want to get to the next level. I want to be kind of a more advanced person than I was then. Things have changed now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, There's growth. (laughs) Do you have any plans for production on this short film? Well, I've got a, I've got a lot of people really interested in making it. And we won, we actually won a, we won a screenplay contest, which gave us a little bit of money. We could have given them the script and they would have made it, but we decided to hang on to the script Hmm. Because I have some cast and I have a director of photography that's really excited about it. So I have a lot of people really interested. So I'm just trying to figure out how we can finance it and 
submitting to some things to see if we can get it made. There's a few short films, script funds, contesty things. So we're going to do that for a little while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good luck with that. Because I think that this script has such a sort of a light and fun and kind of airy tone to it, even though, I mean, there are some elements of like dark humor, but really it's it's, it's just sort of a fun little escapist kind of thing. And I, I would like to think that people would really enjoy seeing this if you could get this produced. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And I think it would be really fun to make. And we could do it very low budget, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it's a house and a street and a car. And I have a house and I have a car. And there are streets. So. Very convenient. Yes. Well, so, uh, Allison, if there are people who are listening to this and would be interested in getting in touch with you about potentially producing the script, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, they could reach me on, um, I have a website, which is just my name. So alisonbeda.com. So A-L-L-I-S-O-N-B-E-D-A.com. And there's a contact page there. And then I'm on, I think I'm on Instagram. So I believe that is Allison A. Muse is my Instagram name. So yeah, that's uh, probably the easiest. Perfect. Okay, cool. and we will definitely, uh, when we have your section of our website posted up on scriptshopshow.com, uh, we will make sure to have links to for people to get in touch with you uh, in that area. Allison, thank you so much for sending us your script and, and taking the time to talk to us. Thank you. It was really fun. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks a lot. Well, there we go. There we go. There were so many fun parts in that script where I was able to, like, I'm not really good at thinking in terms of like shot for shot for shot of stuff when I'm reading a script. It's yeah. just not, I don't have as much practice as you do. Mm-hmm. But definitely in that scene when he magically shows up in the car and freaks her it. out. <laughs> I had the whole, like I saw it like, okay, a longer shot uh, and then kind of a close up and he can be oh, in the car at so that point good. and like leans into her shot yep. and the car swerves. Yes. I saw that yep. all he playing He surprises out. her like, boo. Mm-hmm. Well, I just love that she's like, I didn't want him to be there, but then he is. Yeah. You know, like this character is having basically her best friend if if it was any other kind of scene it would be the best friend being like what are you doing you right. know and now it's this guy that she's dating in her imaginary world and it uh, calling out the shots there well and sometimes the bloom the bloom even falls off the imaginary rose at times <laughs> that's just that's just how it happens sometimes uh, yeah so i think too what you were saying about it being a light comedy despite yeah. the kind of undertones there is just on the nose with this one it's really fun to read i think it's a lot it's fast it, it, and it, i love that it feels pleasant to yeah me. yes yeah and you, you know i i just said the fast word the f word is what i'm going to call it because mm-hmm. a lot of times people are like fast what do you mean i'll just speed it all up but there's there's just such a, a finesse to beats and there's yes. a finesse to dialogue and getting things to flow in a way that it feels as if it's taking no time at all mm-hmm. when really you know somebody's being super careful about what they're putting down and how they're putting down and the script just trips through the trips the ivories if you will if it was a piano player it's just tripping right along if you've done some ivory tripping not too long ago or in the near future and you'd like to send it to us you can please send us your scripts by going on to scriptshopshow.com slash submit or finding us on film freeway and you can uh, send us your work and hopefully we can take a look at it we've got a little bit of a backlog of things that we're we trying do. to get through we're and working through them all so if you're a listener and you are thinking about sending us your stuff we do have the phrase that pays hashtag hot burrito and if you include everybody's that everybody's favorite post christmas present <laughs> 
Yes, that's, that's it. So if you include that in a piece of communication to us, like if you tweet at us and say, hey, I just sent you my script, hashtag hot burrito, or send a message on Facebook or whatever, that will let us know that you listen to the show and we will bump you to the front of the line in terms mm-hmm. of what we mm-hmm. will read next. The and much consider- shorter line, let's say. Yes. Yeah. Consider for the show. Yeah. And we would love to see your work. So we're obsessed with writers. We're obsessed with the things that you're obsessed with. And so every single script that comes your way, we're just grateful and lucky to have it come Absolutely. our way for the show. Uh, uh, here we go. Let's 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 talk websites while we're talking websites. Scriptshopshow.com. Scriptshopshow.com. Facebook.com Facebook. slash scriptshopshow. Keep going. <laughs> Instagram.com slash scriptshopshow. Mm-hmm. Twitter, your bestie Westie, scriptshopjack, and at scriptshopshow, where the official scriptshopshow announcements come out. They're the boring ones because obviously Jack and I are the meat and potatoes of the funny stuff on this show. Yeah. So, you know, follow all three, whatever, but we just retweet the things from the main one all the time anyway. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, Frank, did we do everything? Hold on, let's time check in with Frank real quick. Let's, let's see. Yeah, you guys got it. <laughs> oh, okay, good. cool, Frank. That's awesome. Thanks very much. Frank, your voice just got super sexy and rich in tone. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> All right, well, so, uh, there we go. Thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate it. Uh, com. I'm going to give the website a plug one more time. And until next week, that's a wrap. Script Shop was created by Allison West. Hosted by Allison West and Jack Crumley. Produced by Frank Steele. Thanks to iHeartMedia Cincinnati for use of their studio. Intro music, Retro Soul by bensound.com. Outro music by purple-planet.com. Special thanks to all our guests. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.